You're listening to the Mount Pleasant Podcast. To learn more about our church, visit us online at www.mpbc.church. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, and we will look at verses 2 through 4 today. You know, we started our series last week, this new series about essentials. And what we are going to continue to look at today and the next few weeks are essentials of the Christian life. Things we really need in our life as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And today what we're going to talk about and what we're going to learn about is the essential of prayer. I would say to you, alongside the reading and studying of God's Word, prayer is an absolute essential to have a strong and close relationship with God. You know, prayer is one of the greatest privileges we have from God. But I know in my life, a lot of times, that is the least thing I use. And I'd say we all could probably uh, uh, give a testimony to that, that there are times in our lives that we do not pray. And we could all say we do not pray enough. But here's a question. Here's a question. How can we have access to the sovereign, holy God that spoke all things into existence? Yet that is precisely what prayer does for us. It brings us into an intimate conversation with our loving and gracious Heavenly Father. But it all starts with the prayer of repentance. To begin that intimate relationship, there's a time in our life that the Holy Spirit of God has convicted us of our sin, and we come before God repenting, asking God to save us, asking Him to change us, surrendering our life to Him, and then that relationship starts. Remember, through prayer, it is when we speak with God, He directs us, He comforts us, and yes, at times, chastises us. Because in that time of prayer, sometimes what is brought to remembrance are sins in our lives. Things we might have said. Maybe how we treated someone. But even not, not only sins of commission, but sins of omission. We're not praying enough. We need to be praying. We're not reading, studying God's Word enough. We need to be doing that. And that's brought to our attention. And so we repent and we become obedient and we serve God through those things. But today... I pray as we learn and as we look at these verses that we will get a fervor to pray, that we we will just get a passion to pray now, and that we see God move upon His behalf, and that His glorious name is proclaimed and seen through all the things we do, and that His name is glorified in His name only. But let's look at some characteristics of prayer that we'll be looking at through this verse tonight. So again, or today, look at Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. And let's read, let's read. Colossians chapter 4, and look at verse 2. It says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the Word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Now the Apostle Paul reminds us something here. When he wrote this letter, he was actually in Rome. He was under house arrest. He was chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day. And out of him being uh, under arrest in Rome, though, we got three other letters. We got Ephesians, Philippians, and Philemon. 
But the Apostle Paul is ending here, beginning in chapter 4, kind of how he started in the mentioning of prayer. So flip over to chapter 1 real quick. I want to show you this. So what we see in verse 3 is that as Paul has wrote this letter to Colossae, in verse 3 he says this, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. And then he goes through the next two verses and he, he commends them for how they are being obedient to the Lord. He commends them for their faith in Jesus Christ. He commends them for their love for the saints and for the, their brothers and sisters in Christ, the love they're showing to each other. And their obedience to the truth of God's Word, the Gospel. And ladies and gentlemen, I, I would say to you, that is a recipe for a strong, vibrant church. That, that if we, that if we again are faithful to the truth of God's Word, that if we're praying for each other, if we're encouraging each other, and we're actively showing our faith in His Word out in the lost and dying world, putting this at the forefront of our lives to show God great through His Word and through prayer, that is a strong church, a strong church. But also we see in verses 9 and 10 something that Paul does. Verses 9 and 10 is kind of like a prayer he's praying for them. And as we look at this, I think this is something that we could pray for ourselves each and every day. And that we could pray for each other. Listen to this. Because of them being obedient, them being very active in following Christ, this is what he says, verses 9 and 10. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. And we see that, that how important that is when we face the struggles and just face life in general, that we walk it with wisdom from God. Not using the world's wisdom to make decisions. Not using man's wisdom, the world's wisdom, on truth. That we use the Word of God. That we use what God has given to us. You know, you think about it. I believe Paul knew something here. As a church, or an individual for that matter, if we're going to be obedient to the Lord and sold out to the Lord by, in prayer, using prayer as a weapon that He is giving us, Satan's going to come against us. Satan is not going to like it. And he is going to try to confuse us. He is going to try to get us to compromise the truth. And he's going to sow discord if he can. But as we look at this, we know that, that, that Paul has brought this to our attention as we've studied through chapters 1, 2, and 3 about not compromising the truth. About, again, letting God's Word be at the forefront of our lives. Remember the image we used as we went through that series, The True and False? And God did that through, I mean, Paul did that through chapters 1, 2, and 3. And if we are to be a true follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and to be obedient to the truth of His Word, we need to pray. We need to pray for each other. If we are to be a husband, remember we went into the Christian Home series, and then last week we finished up on, on about work, being, a, being a, a, a great workmate, and in our work situations. But if we are to be a husband, wife, father, mother, son, daughter, brother, sister, friend, a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to the truth of God's Word, we need to pray. And that is why we see Paul's exhortation to pray in verse 2 of chapter 4. Look at it again. Colossians 2, 
Well, Colossians 4, verse 2. It says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Now, if you're like me, you've heard many messages about prayer. And a lot of times those messages were already always brought using the model prayer or the Lord's Prayer from Matthew 6, Luke 11, you know, our Father who art in heaven, usually using that. And they would, they would break it out. They would use this word, acts, acts. And, and they, each letter would stand for something. A, for adoration. C, for confession. T, thanksgiving. S, supplication or making your request known before God. And that is a good way to come before God in prayer. Definitely, definitely. But I, what I want to focus on is what Paul is alluding to here in verse 2 about continue steadfastly. As we have taught many times here, we know the New Testament was written in the Greek language. So a lot of times when you have two words or sometimes a phrase, the Greek word is just one word. And, and so in this case, the Greek word for continue steadfastly is called proskatero. Proskatero. And it means earnest towards, to be diligent, to devote oneself. We could use the word persevere, perseverance as well as be strong, be locked in, but to continue steadfastly means you're committed and you're going to endure. But have we seen this before in Scripture? Well, of course, there's plenty of examples through Scripture because, again, this is what God's given us, to know Him and to understand our lives and our relationship with Him. The God of the universe gave us His very Word. But before we get into those examples, I want us to look at another portion of Scripture that encourages us to pray continuously. So just flip over the next book, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. This will be very familiar to some of you, but I wanted us to look at this also. Here again, the Apostle Paul is writing this, led by the Holy Spirit. In verse 16 of chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, he says this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So there it is, that exhortation of praying continuously. But as I, I look at this, well, as, as we think about that continuously, steadfastly in prayer... What we capture from that is a realization that this is just part of our life. This is something that should be going on in our life, kind of like breathing. You know, right now you're sitting there, you're breathing, you're, you're not even thinking about it. But prayer should be such a, such a part of our life that it's just a continuous thing. And that it's not even a thought a lot of times. That we reach out to God with a request or just praise or just praise. You know, we come to Him because we know He is the source. Think of the song again, Seeing a Victory. What is it talking about? Battles, battles. But He is the source for an answer to the things we need in our life. He is the source for our direction. He is the source for power in our life that we can live holy and righteous before God. And be that witness, be that one that's to go out and make disciples. Because we need to walk in the power of God, the power of His Holy Spirit in our lives. It also gives us the strength for patience as we wait upon the Lord. <laughs> we don't want to wait, do we? Get our list out and, you know, okay, Lord, here, here it is. I asked, now answer me. Come on. I'm on, a, I'm on a time schedule. Answer me. Let's go. But as we look at this again, we're reminded that, that God shares in His timing 
You know, it's not about our wants, our likes, our preferences, but it's about seeing God move, God move, and that He gets the glory from it, and that His glory is manifested in our lives as He answers our prayers, as, as He directs us to, to go and share the gospel, or to get involved in this ministry, or do this thing, but God receives the glory through it all. But here's the question. I had to ask myself this throughout the time of, of my study. Am I, are we willing to grab hold of God and not let go of Him until He moves on His behalf? Are we willing to grab hold of God till we hear His answer, what He's directing us to do, His will in our lives? Remember Jacob, he wrestled with God and he, he grabbed hold of God and he said, he said, I am not going to let go of you until you bless me. But how many times do we come before God and grab hold of Him in this situation or whatever we're praying for and say, God, I'm not going to let go till you answer me. I'm not going to let go till I hear from you. But that's the thing. Are we asking in His will? Are we really asking Him to answer? Or are we praying for what we want? Because a lot of times in those circumstances, what we see is that God's going to answer this way. As, he, as He's asking us to wait, to be patient, is this right here? And he said, wait. Be obedient. Keep serving. Okay. Wait. Be patient. Next step. It's not always like this, those long strides, like I can take long strides with my legs, but, but we see, we see that, that, that God, sometimes it's just that next little step. I've seen it uh, portrayed before where uh, a gentleman had put uh, flashlights on his legs, and as he's talking about prayer, all you could see was right in front of you, and as he took that next step, all he saw was right next in front of him. Couldn't see beyond that. But God wants us in our prayer, in, in our patience, in our waiting. Just be obedient. Be obedient where you are right now. Whatever God's working in your life, be obedient to where you are right now at this point and this step. You know, I think about Elijah in 1 Kings 19. Elijah, he was running from Jezebel, and he goes up into the mountain to hide. He goes into this cave, and, and God comes to him, and he says, Elijah, what are you doing here? And of course, Elijah says, well, you know, I'm kind of by myself now, God. I mean, there's no other prophet. And God says, Elijah, go, go out. Go out on the mountain. Go out a little bit. And Elijah goes out. And first, here comes this strong wind, and it says it, it breaks the rocks around him, but God wasn't in it. And then there was an earthquake, and God wasn't in it. There was a great fire, but God wasn't in it. And then there's this whisper, Elijah, what are you doing here? And he said, God, I'm, I'm by myself. I'm, I'm the only prophet. And, you know, he was, run, he was scared. He was running for his life. And he said, Elijah, I'm with you. I got this. There's 7,000 more. And so remember, as you're going through, God's going before. God's there. God's got you. And he will take you along. And a lot of times it's not the big way we want answers. It's the small, still voice, the small answers along the way. But as we, as we look at this and as I talked about, you know, again, are there examples where there's 
perseverance in prayer. And again, there's so many, but I was led to these two, and they're actually both in Acts. So if you will, turn to Acts chapter 1. And of course, we know this is after Christ has ascended into heaven. And his disciples, he met his disciples on the Mount of Olives, and he's given them some last instructions before he ascends. And so here we are in Acts chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. And I will read. It says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Again, Jesus had risen from the grave. He'd been on the earth 40 days and he was showing himself to, to many people. He showed himself to Peter, to James, to over 500 up in, in the area of Galilee. And now here he is on the Mount of Olives showing himself again to the disciples. And we know that eventually 120 ended up in that upper room and he tells them to go back. But what does he tell them? Wait. See, they had 10 more days. They had 10 more days before they saw the answer to their prayer. But this word here that's called devoted, devoted, guess what? It's the same word in Colossians. So they were being fervent in prayer. They were being obedient. They were being diligent. They were continuously praying until they saw what God was going to do, what, how, the, the prayer that they were seeking. They were expecting it, though. They were praying with an expectation that Jesus was going to do what he said, and the Holy Spirit was going to come, and he did. That goes back again, talking about step. They had to wait 10 days. But it says they devoted, they were continuously praying, steadfast in those 10 days, till they got God's answer, and the Holy Spirit came. But look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Again, right here we're, we're seeing this is actually the day of Pentecost and, and it's referring to, again, that Peter, the Holy Spirit had come and remember Peter came out and he started preaching amongst all the people in Jerusalem. And we know in verse 41 it tells us that 3,000 were saved. And, and now what did they do? Well, let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. The they at the beginning of this verse are the 3,000, are the ones that got saved at the day of Pentecost. And now they're learning, they're growing, they're going out sharing the gospel. And we see that continuous of the church as it is, is birthed and growing forward, but it, see, the de devoted, the devotion again, same word, continuing steadfastly, steadfastly in seeking the Lord and praying, looking for an answer. Faithful, diligent prayers bring results where God is honored and His faithfulness is on display. Daniel was faithful to pray three times a day it got him in the lion's den, but he came out of that through prayer. 
Nehemiah and the people he had helping build the walls back in Jerusalem were faithful to pray. If we were to read that and study it, you would, you would see that as they were working, as they held the sword in one hand, as they were building those walls, they were also praying and God give, protected them and brought that to fruition in the walls being rebuilt. Esther, Esther was faithful in prayer when, when, when she became queen and as the uh, attack that was going to come upon the, the Israelites and all the Jews were going to be destroyed and, and she finally shared that plot with the king. And when it got where she was able to come before the Lord and, and she was able to send out this decree herself for all the Jews to fast for three days and to pray, they were faithful, they were diligent. And we know the Jews were saved through their prayer in seeking the Lord. We know Jesus was faithful. How many times do we read through the Gospels? It says, and Jesus went off to pray. Jesus got up early and went to a desolate place to pray. How about when he uh, fed the 5,000, the 4,000, he took the bread, he broke it, he looked up to heaven and prayed to the Father to show himself great. Remember at the tomb of Lazarus, what does he do? Again, he looks up to the Father and he says, Father, you glorify yourself, you show yourself great. Yes, yeah, show them that, that because of what you're about to do through me that you sent me to show who you are. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes out of that tomb. Victories, victories through prayer, through seeking the Lord. And as we look at this again, as we look at what was happening, we see the people were praying with an expectation. How many of y'all prayed this morning about this service? How many of y'all prayed this morning saying, Lord, I expect you to move? Did I pray about this service this morning? Do we think about Sunday? Do we think about Wednesday? Do we think about the outreaches we do? Do we bathe any of them in prayer with an expectation that God, you move, you show yourself great, you save souls? So do we pray with an expectation? Remember, we're going before a holy God, the one that spoke everything into existence, that has the power to do those things. And He will. He will answer. That's the thing about it. He will answer every prayer. But again, it's according to His will, His direction, and what is best for those situations. Sometimes it's hard for us to understand, but God does have best. If we're seeking Him, He has the best answer for us in each and every one of those situations. Those people prayed with an expectation. We should also... Turn back to Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 again. It says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. We are to continue steadfastly, but we're also to be watchful. Being watchful means we are alert. We're sensitive to what's around us. Who are the people around us? What is the circumstance we're dealing with today? Does it need to be brought before the Lord in prayer? Because again, remember, we are, we are in a battle. We are fighting. Prayer is a weapon we can use in, in this battle with Satan. You know, Ephesians 6 tells us that. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And see, if Satan can keep us from praying, he can keep us powerless. 
we can come to a point where we, we, can, we can just get to a point where we just don't know what to do when God is our source to go to, to bow before Him and, and bring all this before Him in prayer. In prayer. Listen to what it says in verse 18 of, of chapter 6. Just look at the, the screens there. It says, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end keep alert. Again, here we are, we're being watchful. With all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. You know, being watchful means we are looking for things to pray for. If we're a prayerful person, we're seeking that opportunity to pray, to intercede, because God asks us to intercede for each other. And if we're being watchful, we're sensitive to the happenings around us. Now, that doesn't mean we're always walking around, looking around and stopping and walking up and down the street and muttering our prayers and everything, because people see that. that that's probably a fast trip to a, a padded room in Broughton. But we're sensitive to the things around us that, that we see what's happening in people's lives. When people ask us to pray, do we actually pray? Facebook. People put a prayer request out there. We're quick to thumb praying. Praying. Really? 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 <laughs> when I type that... I was convicted a lot during this time. If I type praying, I'm going to stop. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. We are called to intercede for each other. We should do that. We shouldn't give it lip service. We should be praying. When people ask, pray, pray. You know, Jesus makes it very aware for us to be watchful in our lives, not only because of our lives and, again, the surroundings around us, but also the times we live in. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, Jesus says this. He says, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Isn't that usually the case, though? We know to pray. We want to pray. But we're just tired. I've got this. I've got to get this done. Now I've got to get this done. Okay, that's done. I've got to get over here and get this done. And before we know it, it's 8.30 at night and you're ready to go to bed. Some of y'all going, 8.30? Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> but yeah. And before, you know, and we spent not one moment with the Lord. And Jesus here is telling us the importance, the importance of watchful, watchfulness, being mindful of what's around us. He also says this in Matthew 24, 42, Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. So we see the reasons to be watchful. First, that we do not enter into, into temptation and sin. Again, I, I mentioned G, uh, Satan can keep us powerless if we're not praying. And if we're not praying, when those temptations come at us, we may be susceptible to sin. And so we need to be praying, but also, again, Jesus can come back any time. Matthew alluded, alluded to that a couple of times in the welcomes today that, that has it just become habit. John 3.16, is that just, oh, it's John 3.16, yeah, and we quote it. Yeah, Jesus is coming back. 
But are we living like he's coming back? Are we living with that, with that knowledge and, and, and does that motivate us? Jesus here says, think about the times. I am coming back one day. And if he comes back, how many has a lost family member? How many has a lost friend? If Jesus comes back today, wait a minute, who may be lost in here today? If Jesus comes back today, you will go through the tribulation and if you don't surrender somehow through not making, taking the mark of the beast, you will end up in hell. If you die today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will end up in hell. So we see being watchful, being watchful. But also what we see in being watchful is that we're looking outward. We're not looking inward. And when we look out, when we look at to help other people, then maybe our prayers won't be so selfish. Now, yes, we have our own needs. We have our own requests we, we want to bring before the Lord, and we, we should, we should. But if we can continue to look at what's around us, that, then maybe we could see the circumstances that maybe sometimes it's not as bad as we think. And we pray for other people. But yeah, definitely, there are things we need to go before the Lord. There are circumstances that I know very well within this congregation uh, today that, that there are struggles, there are, there are needs, there are hurts. And even for, for me, that, that we, we need to bring before the Lord and we need to pray for them. But if we're watchful and looking out, maybe it won't be as selfish in our prayers sometimes. But let's look again at that verse. We're going to know this verse really well before the end of this day. But verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. See, a prayerful believer is a thankful believer. And if we have truly repented of our sins and surrendered our life to Jesus Christ, we really have a lot to be thankful for, don't we? We just mentioned the destination, if we never repent of our, our sins and give our life to Christ, is, is, is an eternity of hell separated from God. But we have a lot to be thankful just in our salvation. But even what we're talking about today, prayer, that is something we should be truly thankful for. That again, the God of the universe has given us access to Him through prayer. I walked out this morning, and it, it was still dark. I uh, had to let the dog out. Um, and so, I mean, it's dark. And I look up, and there's all these stars. And it just brought to mind again today that as I looked around, that the God that put those in their orbit or in their space, that He's given me access to them. And all I could do at that point was say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord for the access I have to you through prayer. But just as being, as what watchful can do, so can being thankful do. That if we're thankful, then maybe it's not so much about ourselves. Maybe our prayers aren't as selfish. But think about this. Being thankful can dispel worry. It can dispel fear. Once we start naming all those things we're thankful for, once we start looking at all those prayers that were answered in the past, that a lot of the circumstance that we're going through sometimes doesn't seem as bad as it could be. And so we look at that. You know, it brought to my mind that wonderful hymn, and no, I'm not going to sing, Count Your Blessings. Count Your Blessings, name them one by one, 
Count your blessings. See what God has done. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. We have so much to be thankful for in our lives. But let's look at something. What issues arise if there's a lack of prayer in our lives? Well, we've already kind of alluded to it a little bit. It makes us susceptible to sin, not walking in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember chapter 1, verses 9 and 10? That if we are not in battle with prayer before God and seeking Him and asking for His help, His power in our lives, then we're open to temptation. We're open to, to, open to falling in those temptations and sinning. And yes, we can go back before Him and ask forgiveness and He is faithful to forgive us for our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But He calls us to walk in power, to walk in holiness, and through prayer we can do that. It keeps us away from the intimate relationship with God that He desires for us. You know, just thinking about the Garden of Eden. You know, God came and walked in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. A close, intimate relationship. They conversed, they talked, they communed together. And that's what God wants. Adam and Eve, even with them in marriage, He brought them together uh, to have a close, intimate relationship. And in Jesus Christ and the church, again, thinking, see, we are separated from God in our sin, and for Him to, to want that relationship back with us, He sends Himself through His Son, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, to take our sin upon His body, to give us direct access to Him through repentance and trust in Jesus Christ. But also the lack of prayer, it shows a lack of faith and trust in the character of God. But let's reverse that. Let's see what happens if we are praying continuously. One, we will walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and we will present our bodies as a living sacrifice unto God, acceptable unto Him, which is our spiritual worship, not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind. And that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We will have that intimate relationship with God because we're talking to Him all the time. How does a, how does a relationship grow? It's communication. You're talking back and forth. You're, 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 you're getting to know each other through that conversation. And so here we see as we pray continuously with God, we know Him more. He knows us more. He helps us. He strengthens us. And also, it means we'll show great faith and trust in His character. Because we take Him at His word. We take Him at His word. And we pray expectingly, knowing He will answer, that He will uh, lead us through. And that as we're obedient through the call of prayer, we'll see that God will answer those prayers and help us through each day to be strong in the circumstances that come against us. You know, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said this twice. He said, when you pray, and when you pray. So we do see it's a command. It is a command from God that we pray. And, and again, primarily because God knows the privilege in that for us, that if we will again come before Him and seek Him, He's going to direct us. He's going to comfort us. Yes, again, chastise us, but again, show us His power and His might. And we continue to grow in our walk with Him that He can use us each and every day. But when I'm talking about this prayer, I want us to kind of divide it out a little bit. 
Because what I think we're really talking about and what Paul is, is truly trying to point to today is not those prayers we may pray over our meal, but which is good, because that again shows thankfulness. That shows that we do trust Him in His character, that we're willing to be thankful to Him. It's, it's not those nighttime prayers that we may have with our young children, but those are good because, again, we're showing them that we have faith in God, that we do acknowledge Him, and that they can have a relationship with Him, and that He will answer them when they pray. But the prayer I think we're really looking at today is a prayer that we see throughout the Old Testament. And in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29, what we see is Moses here is talking to the nation of Israel, and they're getting ready to go into the promised land. Now we know Moses didn't get to go, so God is speaking to Moses, and, and he's telling Moses to share with them these last instructions before they go. And in Deuteronomy 4, 29, it says this, But from there you will see seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. Now how do we seek after him? It's through his word. It is through prayer. But it says with all our heart. But from there what Moses is talking about is as they go into the promised land it wasn't that the Israelites were just going to go in there, now everything's fine, they're not going to have any problems, any issues, God's going to put this big hedge of protection around them, nobody's going to bother them. No, God was sending them into the promised land to show the nations around them that He is the one true God, and for them to repent of their sin or following all these false gods, and to recognize who He is. And that's just like our salvation. When we get saved, are we just put off into a corner now and wait for Jesus to come? No, He calls us to be His witnesses. 2 Corinthians 5 talks about the ministry of reconciliation. He, he gives us that we implore people to God because we are Christ's ambassadors. And so we see this. So again, it goes back to what I talked about. Are we willing, are we ready to grab hold of God and say, God, show me. God, use me. God, direct me. I want to see your power. I want to see you move in this person's life. I want to see you move in my life. I want you to see, uh, I want to see you move in Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. I want you to see you move across Wilkes County. I want to see you move across the world that people be saved. That those blinders, they're blinded by Satan of their need of salvation, that they will be saved and come to know Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior, before it's eternally too late. But we see here with all our heart, it always goes back to the heart, doesn't it? Always goes back to the heart. But I love what it says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. So turn to Philippians. It's the book right before Colossians. But chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, and we're going to read again this, this great understanding of prayer and what it does for us. The Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. As it says here, it's talking about praying for everything. If we're praying for everything, then we're going to be continuously praying, just as verse 2 of chapter 4 says. 
But the important part that I saw there as I was looking at that is again about the heart, how the heart comes into play of everything. And it talks about if we're praying, if if we're bringing everything before the Lord, then our heart, our mind is protected, is protected. Again, as, as Jesus said, watch and pray so you do not fall into temptation. And as Satan comes back, back against us and tempts us through prayer, the heart, the mind is guarded. And, and of course, especially through his word as we take that into our heart and our mind. Again, we are in a spiritual battle. We, 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 we are in battle. We're in fight. We're in a fight with Satan. But I want to come back to this terminology that prayer gives us access to God that I mentioned at the beginning. Now, I want to give footnote to what I said at the beginning with what I'm about to read. Because as I was studying, this thought kept coming to my mind, and I thought, I heard that before. Where did this come from? I've read this, or, or it was some sermon, and then finally it came to my mind. John MacArthur wrote this little book, and it's called, Lord, Teach Me to Pray. And so this is what he says. And again, I used some of it at the beginning, and I want to use it again, because I want to bring us into context of when we pray, what we're asking actually doing, where it is bringing us, and I just, I just loved this when I found it again, went upstairs my bookcase and was looking around and I saw that little book and I said, that's it, that's it. So I pulled it out and started flipping through it. And this is what I found. Listen, look at the screens and listen. It says, how can anyone have intimate access to the holy God of the universe? Yet, that is precisely what we have when we go to God in prayer. And not just access but unlimited divine resources. More than enough for our needs, freely available from a loving Heavenly Father. Through prayer, we encounter what it means to enter the presence of the infinitely awesome and majestic God. Now get this. And yet feel welcome. And yet feel welcome there. Because he longs to have us with him, telling him all the issues of our hearts, casting all our cares on him because he cares for us. John MacArthur. Prayer is fellowship with God. It creates an intimacy with the God so we can know God and we can know his character. Prayer isn't just something we come again with a list and say, here God, do this, okay? I'm going to tell you what to do. No, prayer is we continue to learn him. We continue to know him. And we continue to understand that relationship that he wants with us. And then that overflows into our relationship with each other. Continue steadfastly and be watchful in prayer and be thankful. Pray for us is what he says. In verses 3 and 4, Paul says, pray for us, giving us again indication that we should be praying for each other. And let's look at those verses now. Verses 3 and 4. He says, at the same time, pray for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. If there's a prayer that you ever want to pray for me, right there, I'll take it. That God would open a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. I'm not in prison. But if you want to pray for me, right there's a prayer you can pray for me. 
and that I make it clear which is how I ought to speak. But again, what we see here is an indication. Pray for each other. We're to be praying for each other. Apostle Paul says, pray for us. But then he's talking about being purposeful, being specific. His specific prayer here was that they, that a door, remember where he is, he's in prison. He's chained to a Roman soldier. He's not praying, saying, will you please pray that I will get out of here, that I'll be freed? Will you please pray that I do not die? No, he's saying, please pray that God will open a door for me to share the gospel with these lost people that I'm coming in contact with each and every day. And so we are purposeful. Well, how, what more important prayer could we be praying for each other at our schools, at our jobs, out as we go and meet people, that God would open a door for each and every one of us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? What more important? As I was thinking about this, I was really challenged, really challenged. And I do pray that God has spoken to you about how essential prayer is in our life as a true believer of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm going to leave you with a challenge today. I'm going to put some things, or they're going to put some things up on the screens, and I want you to look at them. I want you to look at them. Because I believe it's a time for Mount Pleasant Baptist Church to once again to come back into a season of prayer to really start seeking God, asking Him to move, to move and see people changed with the gospel, see people changed, even those that, of us that profess Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, that we will start being a real change in our lives and our obedience to God. So I'm going to challenge you to be purposeful in your prayers. I'm going to challenge you to be specific in your prayers and here are the ones I'm going to give you. If you look at the screens... One, I pray that you will pray that God will give you a passion to pray. That kind of seemed funny when that came to my mind, but, but I, the more I thought about it, yes, God, give me a passion to pray. I want to pray for people. I want to lock onto you. I want to grab hold of you and see your glory manifested. Pray that God would break the stronghold of sin in our lives, any pride, arrogance, selfishness, slander, sexual sins that are in our lives because there are strongholds that have each and every one of us. There is something we're struggling with and battling with. But God can get the victory. He can get the victory. Pray for God's presence to move upon the lost in our services. Wednesday's coming. Worship Wednesday's coming, the first Wednesday. Pray for it. There's three other Wednesdays after that. Pray for those. We're opening the Word of God, and God's Word is powerful, and it will cut, it will divide, it will bring power to people's lives. And then next Sunday's coming. Remember the services. Pray for them as people come. Pray that each and every one of us would have open doors to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pray for each other. Because that's what we're doing in those first three, those first four anyway. But pray for each other. Pray for God's spiritual and physical protection. Ladies and gentlemen, again, remember, when we, when we come before God, we're coming before the creator of the world. We're coming before the one that spoke everything into existence. We're coming before the one that has power over everything. And he's given us access. That we can look up. 
and say, hey, Daddy. Hey, Abba, Father, I need you right now. This person needs you right now. And we have access to him. So it's my prayer that we grab hold of that and we start praying to see him move mightily and his name is glorified and honored. Thank you for joining us for today's message. Find us at www.mpbc.church and on Facebook at facebook.com slash mpbcnc. Have a great day, and we hope you'll join us again next week.